positioned ourselves to do the best we possibly could with what we had. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about positioning ourselves. There's three needs that I think we need to do to position ourselves well for overflow to come through us. So three needs to position ourselves well for God to like overflow through us into our lives, into our neighbors, into our coworkers. How can we position ourselves? What are like three things that like we could hold on to and do? So here's the first one. We need alignment. We need alignment. That's the first one right there. It's just getting in alignment. It says, God is always at work, but His perfect will is not always achieved. Think about that for a second. God is always at work, but His perfect will is not always achieved. Think about that for a second. Really? God is always at work, but what He wants done is not always done. Is that true? Because God is capable to do anything He wants. But then why wouldn't what He wants always get done? That's the crazy part. Because we're involved in the process to carry out the will that He has. Some of us choose to act in that, and then some of us choose not to. Jesus Himself, He had to pray for God's will to be done on several occasions. Where he said, you know what? Not my will, but yours be done. And we read that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. We read that during the summer. We're going to read a a different uh, passage, uh, verse in chapter 6 later this morning. But as far as this uh, topic, as far as needing alignment, Jesus himself needed alignment. He had to ask for God's perfect will to be done and fight against himself. Uh, Later on in Luke, in 22, before he went to the cross, he said, God, you know what? I know what's actually before me, and I really don't want to do this right now. Uh, If there's any other way that we can make this salvation thing happen, let's do that. And then he finishes up the prayer, but you know what? Not my will, but yours be done. He's setting himself in alignment to what God might have. Not necessarily our ambitions, hopes, and dreams, but understanding that we need God's alignment, His hopes, dreams, and ambitions. Because He's got all of that for all of us. It just might not look like how we think it should look. i got a picture of um, this man up here. So, uh, Asian man, Dr. Jun Gon Kim. Yeah, Dr. Jun Gun Kim. Try and say that five times fast. So Dr. Jun Gun Kim, why is his you know, picture up there? Why are we talking about him? Well, that man was the first ever to take Campus Crusade. Right? Campus Crusade, huge Christian organization and group. They're on uh, many college campuses, just reaching out, doing events, praying for people, um, just being God's hands and fingers on the campus. And when I went to uh, Central... Uh, we had a group up there uh, called the Revival, and you know we did what we could, and you know reached some people up there, and went on retreats and did different things. And so, Dr. June Gon Kim was the first one ever to take a Campus Crusade group internationally. So he took it to Korea, and uh, his story just horrible. Um, at that time, it was the Korean War. Uh, what happened is that um, his family. 
was actually murdered, killed right in front of him. Can you imagine? Killed right in front of him. And he was a Christian at the time. He didn't uh, lose his faith. In fact, he felt that God was moving him uh, to forgive them. He just had a strong urge to forgive them, even though, you know, that happened, which is just crazy. Which, as a side note, uh, remember back in 2006, I don't know if you remember, but, you know, the, uh, the Amish, they had, a school, they had a shooting in their school, you know, 2006. And you might have heard about it now since, you know, Newtown happened. And uh, a guy who was a milk driver went into the school, shot these schoolgirls. I think it was six of them. And uh, these Amish people came together and um, almost immediately, not quite immediately, had some grieving and mourning time, came together, went to um, the man's funeral who shot the girls because they felt like God, they, they had to show him this man, I think his name was Robert, had to show him forgiveness. But they couldn't hold on to bitterness because what are they going to do with it? It's just going to go nowhere good. And so they realized it. So they go to the guy's funeral. They set up a fund of money for the wife of the killer because she would still be around and she had the kids. And then actually wrote notes to her as well. I mean, that's just it's incredible. Like, who does that? It's amazing. So the power of God at work. And so Dr. June Gun Kim knows something about it. And um, he was super committed as a Christian. Completely believed in this like overflow, this positioning. And so he was a guy who fasted 40 days. He did like the real deal 40 day fast. You know, we're doing, we're doing the 21 day fast. Try not to do one meal a day. A meal that matters. You know, if it's the breakfast you always skip, that's not really much of a fast. You know, the idea is that it's supposed to be a sacrifice. One meal that matters, you know, put that away. Bring in the Bible. Bring in prayer. Bring in the journal. Get to it, you know. Pray. Focus. Heart hunger for God. You know, whatever hunger pains we would get, direct those right to God. And so, um, he did 40 days of the real deal. Not just one meal, you know, nothing. And he was known, you know, to do that. And so right, we're talking about God working, but something supernatural gets released when we fast and we do these things. So he was doing a crusade in 1980. And six months before this crusade, they're doing it in Korea. Uh, they're going to expect 300,000 people. 300,000. That's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of people. I mean, that's insane. Joel Osteen packs out the compact center. It's like, you know, 80,000. 300,000. It's amazing. So six months before it, the police uh, come to him and say, hey, listen, you know, this country's already in a world of trouble right now during the Korean War, and to get this many people together in one place could be chaos, could be horrible, so you know what? We're going we're gonna to cancel this. You can't do it. And so Dr. June is like, wow, really? So he takes... Uh, himself and a bunch of his co-workers, they retreat up to a mountain nearby. 40-day fast. 40-day fast. They come down. As he's on his way back home, he runs into the same police officers and they, hey, listen, don't worry about it. It's fine. You can have it. Let's move forward. You know? Some people would, you know, chalk that up to maybe coincidence. They had almost a million people and that 300,000 is shattered. They had close to a million people at that. 1980 crusade. 
It's unbelievable. Not just coincidence. There's another one. Another picture of a man up here. Lauren Cunningham. So he was the president of YWAM, Youth with Missions. What they do is they go on mission trips. They go to other countries. Uh, they go other places. And, uh, you know, they minister. And so he was a director. And... Um, they were fasting and praying for three days. So not for 40 days, but they were fasting for three days. And again, giving importance and credence to the fact that it's not really how long you do it or exactly how you do it. It's the heart behind it. Something being sacrificed for the sake of God and for the sake of trying to align ourselves with His purpose and His plans. Like, that's the heart behind it. So... Lauren Cunningham, praying, fasting and praying for three days. And he was with a group. And it said that as they were fasting and praying for three days, they were given a word from God. And that happens. God speaks to us. God talks to us. I don't know if you've had that experience or when the last time that actually happened, but, man, my prayer is that like you get that regularly and God gives that to you. God, I want that so bad for you. That rhema word that we talked about during the summer. Where it's just, you're that quiet time, and he just speaks to you in that still, small, quiet voice, and there's something certain about it. And we could ignore it and move on, but hopefully we listen to it. And sometimes you could hear that still, small, quiet voice a little bit better when you got some fasting behind it. And everything else is tuned out, including our hunger, and we're just focused, focused, locked in. So they're passing, praying for three days. And it says that they have this word, this thing given to them from God, and said, hey, listen, pray against this demonic force named the Prince of Greece. How did God tell it to them? Why did he give them that name? Don't really, well, obviously it had to do with Greece. Um, but that, that's just what they were told. And the crazy thing is, is that same day, other YWAM groups that were in, let me get it right, New Zealand and Europe, were given the same exact word. Hey, listen, pray against this Prince of Greece. Well, within 24 hours, Greece, the country, was a monarchy for a long time. Within 24 hours of them praying and fasting together, turned into a republic. There was a military coup that occurred actually within the country, and it turned out to be a republic. And so the benefit of that is that now, Greece becomes a republic, and they're much more open to the gospel and to missionary work being done within the country. All because these guys are fasting and praying and looking for God to work. And we talked about last week about the governor, uh, Millsbury, with the grasshoppers. And the miracle being done there. So, God has a plan. He has a will. There is stuff to be done. Like basketball, the game's going to happen. But I, you could choose to be a bad coach or you could choose to be a good coach. You could choose as a coach to take and look at your skill set, your personnel, and what you have and strategically line yourself up for the best way possible. Or you just roll out the ball and just say, well, let the chips fall where they fall and just go for it. It's not the life we're called to live. It's not the life that Christians are called to live. We want to be in alignment with what God has for us. Because once we get in alignment, who knows what doors that might open. And that's why I'm kind of excited. Because I know with an overflow, other doors and other things will happen. So I'm excited to see what God is going to do. I hope you are too. So the bottom line to needing alignment, 
God is still at work regardless of what we are doing. But there is a kingdom that God wants to bring on this earth and He wants to do it through us. Did you catch that? I was excited like, to even write that down this week. I don't know if like, you even uh, follow on uh, Facebook or anything either. Or if you don't, tell your friends about it. Like Most of the time... I put stuff on there. I'm excited to put that stuff down. I'm like, wow, Lord, yes. You know, I type that thing in there, post that. Yeah. And who's on on with me? You know, let's like this. Let's comment on this. Like, God is real. He's doing a work. He's speaking through His Word. Let's get some. And other days, I'm like, I got nothing, Lord. Like, I spend some time in prayer, you know, and just... And then I'll be like, you know, looking out maybe other people. I might follow on Twitter or something, you know, other pastors and stuff. I'm like... Boom! Yes, that's it right there. You know, I'll comment on theirs. You know, I'll like theirs and I'll retweet theirs. You know, but that word, like you just, like you want that. You know, get us in alignment and see the perspective and be like, yes, let's go, let's do this. Twenty thirteen, let's go, let's do this, let's get in alignment because God's certainly at work. But the question is, am I going to let Him bring the kingdom of heaven through me? That's a big time question. And I'm not sure where you fall on that scale. It's going to take courage. It's a big time question. Would I actually let God bring the kingdom of heaven through me? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's going to do that through you. Would you let it? Would you let it? So that was the first part. Three needs, right? Three needs for overflow positioning. First one, alignment. So here's the second one. We need full meals. Can we say that during a fasting message? We need full meals. What am I talking about? Because we're like trying to get away from the meals right now. So we better load up today. We need full meals. Well, here's what I was thinking. I feel like God just brought to my attention, you know, this week. Many Christians snack their way through salvation. Many Christians snack their way through salvation. It's the end of the Twinkie, right? Twinkies are gone. Now, for many people, hearing from God, being alone with him. You know, when Jesus was in the desert, you know, he said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but that the words that come from God. For a lot of people, it's just like snacking these little things sort of here and there about God during the week. And many times, it's secondhand. It's like ABC food, you know, already been chewed. So like when you come here on Sunday mornings, right, or you listen on the radio, or maybe you're listening online, or whatever, to somebody else, that's ABC. Like, that's already been chewed. Like, I've, I've been spending time, you know, with the Lord. I've been praying. I've been looking, you know. And I've just been chewing stuff over in my mind through the week. And like, Lord, like, what are we saying? Where are we going? What are we doing this week? What are we talking about? And how are we going to take this passage? And I spent that time, you know, been with Him. And directly, I'm like, I, I know what you want to say. And it's in my heart. And I got it. It's locked in. I don't know if it really come out, you know, the way that you want it to. Praying that it does. But I'm getting first-hand, full-course meal right from God Himself. So when you come in, it's like you get ABC food. It's already been chewed up, really. You're getting second-hand information. 
The deal is, I want you to get full course meals. Because what I'm telling you is like, that's nice. It might be inspiring. It might be helpful. It might be encouraging. And that's all good. But you can't live off it. It's like a Twinkie. Sunday morning messages, messages from other people. It's just, it's Twinkie status. You know what I mean? You're just snacking. It's like potato chips. Like, it'll get you past that little craving you might have for a minute, but it won't really build on much. Because we all know, you know, what a bad diet of snacking does to us. It doesn't feed our body in the way that we need to fully be nourished and perform at max capacity the best that it can. So sure, we could snack our way through the Christian life and through salvation, but and we're not going to function at optimum level in that case. It's not going to work. This week I was uh, watching, I was watching a uh, program and uh, they had this uh, dietitian guy come on and of course I'm sure they had him come on, you know, because this is the new year and everybody wants to try and eat right, you know, for the new year. And uh, this pastor is interviewing him. And uh, this pastor was like grossly obese. I mean, he was large. It's like, oh my gosh, he was a large man. And so uh, this uh, dietitian guy is on there and talking about stuff. And I'm like, man, you know, I, I was you know trying to figure out you know how the pastor was you know feeling you know while he's sitting there because he didn't really make it personal you know like if that was me I probably would have made it a little personal and be like all right so you know I need some help you know with this and this and he didn't really do that but. You know, part of, you know, what he was, you know, talking about and emphasizing was, you know, how to eat better, you know, at the new year. And, you know, his phrase, which you probably heard before is, you know, eat breakfast like a king, eat lunch like a prince, eat dinner like a pauper. Right? That was like kind of his thing. And that's like, you know, he's preaching. And um, that's like the best way for our bodies, you know, to function. The best way is have a great breakfast, load it up with some protein, with some oatmeal, with some fruits. Um... In the lunchtime, you know, I'll try and go, you know, with some, you know, good proteins and some salad and not too much bread. And, you know, at dinner, not too much at all. You know, a little bit of proteins, mainly salad and veggies. And that's good. And that's the best way for your body to function. You'll even be burning fat at night while you're sleeping. Like God is telling us, hey, listen, you can't just live on bread alone. And you can't just live. I want other people, like, are saying, you need what I'm saying to you. That's huge. It is huge. We need full meals. So fasting on that calendar says that you could read the book of John, one chapter a day, get the whole book done. You'll get some full course meals if you stay in that book of John and you keep that prayer journal and you just write down kind of how it's going throughout the day, what you're praying for and what's been happening. Whether you're feeling up, whether you're feeling down. Whether the prayers got answered, whether they didn't. Whether you're mad at God, whether you're okay with God that day. Everything goes in there. And we see how God is going to work. Because we want full course meals from the king himself. So number one, we need alignment. Number two, we need full meals. Number three, we need a courageous faith. We need a courageous faith. Courageous faith is forged by taking risks and confronting fears. Courageous faith is forged by taking risks and confronting fears. Take a look at this passage in Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, 
This is Paul writing. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord has for me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Like that guy just sets it right there. He's like, listen, you know what? As far as my life goes, whatever. It's just whatever God has for me, that's what I want to do. That's my focus. That's a pretty courageous statement to say that and actually mean it. Not just say it because it sounds nice and it sounds religious and it sounds good, but to actually mean it. So if we're saying that courageous faith is forged by taking risks and confronting fears, I love that one too, man. I was like, I was into like just writing. I was like, yeah, Lord, like that's right. Courageous faith is forged by taking risks and confronting fears. But you know what? It's really difficult to do that if you haven't really had any powerful times with God. You almost feel like you're just wishing. Your prayers just really become wishes and they're not really prayers. It's easier to have a courageous faith when we've had powerful times with God. It's easier then. It's a lot easier. Because then we know what God is capable of and remember how He was working and what He said and what happened. See, the Christian life, it's full of risk, difficulty, and challenges. That's for sure. It can also be full of victory, joy, and empowerment. That's for sure, too. But the Christian life certainly has its struggles. And and honestly, that's because you can't have Christianity without the cross. You can't do it. A lot of people try to. Try and have Christianity without the cross and then it really just becomes like a life that I want and I sort of sprinkle in Jesus in there like when it's good and then it like plays both sides really well and you know then we end up feeling okay because I'm doing what I want and then Jesus is kind of sprinkled in there too I went to the movies yesterday with Julie we don't get to the movies a lot and so we got to the movies yesterday and we saw uh, Lincoln so we saw Lincoln yesterday uh, great movie highly recommended and I'll tell you what, a guy with courage, and Abraham Lincoln, that guy had some courage. He's in this position as president during the Civil War, which that just blows me away. Can you imagine if we were in a Civil War, like the North fighting the South? Can you imagine just like living that? Like, what? It's crazy. People killing each other. And bloody, over 620,000 lives lost. Bloodiest war ever. So he's president. They are possibly on their way to peace with the South. And the public likes them because they just reelected them. He feels it in his soul. He feels that it's right that all men are created equal. He just believes it, feels it, knows it to be true. That's what Courageous says. You believe it, you know it. I got to move forward in this. So, peace might come. So the war might end. But he's still got this issue. Even if the war ends, there still could be slaves. To him, that doesn't sit right. But to a lot of people, it's like, listen, it's peacetime. Whatever. It's fine. He's like, no. They still need to be considered all men created equal. And so he says, listen, I'm going to push. I'm going to try and add an amendment to the Constitution. I'm going to try and add it where it says all men created equal no matter what color. His wife is against him. His own cabinet is against him. His own friends are against... Everyone says, no, that's stupid, it's ridiculous. Let's just get the peace, stop the war. Don't worry so much. 
about all men being created equal. I mean, what are you going to do if they all get set free anyways? Four million slaves, then what are we going to do? But that movie, man, and, you know, the story of his life, being committed to that cause and marching through, that's a courageous man. Everyone against him. And so, you know what? To be totally honest with you, if there's, like, some Christians around him, and I'm thinking, like, 2012-type Christians, 2013-type Christians, 21st century, that's what I should say, probably, they'd probably say, hey, listen, you know what? Everyone's telling you no. Your wife's telling you no. You know, your cabinet's telling you no. The wisest people you know are telling you no. God must be telling you no. Everybody else is. God works through people. He speaks through people. Somehow, he knew what the right thing to do was. We've got to have that discernment. We've got to march forward in that Courage. At some point, it's going to come down to some issue, something, or whatever, and we got to stick up and say, no, i got to move forward in this. i got to march on in this. Don't care what they're going to say. Don't care what they're going to do. I know God is showing me this. I know He's moving me towards this. Oh, but I'm not qualified, and I don't have what it takes, and I might say something stupid, or it's going to be uncomfortable. So what? Leave that stuff on the fence. If He moves in one direction, we go. We go. Got to be courageous. Because when we have a history with our Savior, we can trust Him completely. And here's what happens in that. Catch this. And that kind of trust, doubt and discouragement are no longer anything to be feared. For some people, that's enough. Like, it's doubtful, it's discouraging, it's frustrating. Eh, no thanks. Just won't do it. For some people... They still have that doubt. They still have that discouragement. They still might be frustrated, but they say, I'm feeling it. I just got to set aside and move on. I just got to move on. I got to push on for what's right. That's what we got to do. And it's really difficult to do that unless we've had powerful times with God. And a fasting time with God that we take seriously will help align us and position us there. So how can we position ourselves best? Well, we need alignment, we need full meals, and we need courageous faith. And so what we're doing is we're taking two steps in 2013. One is we're going to do our fasting together. And again, it's up to you if you want to do it. And we talked about last week, it's on the fast guidelines. If you can't, uh, you know, make it the food uh, issue because of doctor or medical reasons or whatever, then that's fine. But the idea is to grab something else that matters to you and get rid of that whatever it be whether it be technology whether it be um, exercise uh, whether it be you know TV you know whatever it's sacrifice it's put away for that 21 days one time a day for 21 days putting it away filling it with God and so that's the first step we're taking as a church to help align ourselves and the other step we're taking is that corporate prayer to do it together to be unified as a church together in prayer where it's not just a few people praying, it's everybody praying. We're all praying, we're all unified. Now what I want to do is close with this. I had you in Matthew chapter 6, you're probably like, wow, you totally forgot about that. I didn't. I just wanted to uh, show you in verse 16 a couple of things just to be on the lookout for, be aware of while you're fasting this week. If you choose to do it. So verse 16, it says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. 
I tell you the truth, they receive the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See, that's the real deal behind it. So, like, you know, we don't want to like let people know, like, oh, I'm fasting, you know, and draw attention to that and draw attention to what we're doing so that we, like, we get praise for that. That's what the Pharisees are, like, we're known for. And that's why Jesus was like, wow, you are missing the point. I said, fine, you want to fast and do that stuff and get all your recognition? That's fine. You got your reward in full. Everybody saw it. Everybody clapped. Everybody made you feel good and pat you on the back. So as far as your reward in heaven, forget about it. I said, I'm interested in the people that are going to do it. Give all of themselves to me. Do it maybe even in quiet and not tell anybody else about it. They're the ones that are going to receive the reward from the Father. So, as we're doing it and as we're trying to fast, if you choose to do it, it's going to help position you. I'm telling you. It's going to help with your full meals. It's going to help with the courageous faith. And it's going to help with alignment. Guaranteed. And I'm curious to see what we're talking about. And I'm curious to see what prayer journals look like um, after the 21 days. I'm really interested to see like how that's going to go. And on that prayer calendar, you know, during the time, if you choose to do it, you'll be praying for you, yourself. You'll be praying for your friends. You'll be praying for your family. You'll be praying for your finances and your job. And you'll be praying for your church in this area. Man, you will be hitting it all if you choose to do it for the 21 days. That's big time. That's huge. And the Bible says that the prayers of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. It is. And we're going to figure out how. And I'll tell you what, too, before we close and take communion, Satan is going to do everything possible to get you to not continue on with this commitment. I'm telling you. Everything. Like, the car will break down. Uh, the best like food imaginable will just show up. Uh, it, it'll just you'll have just stressful events take place. That's just like this is so stupid. I can't believe this is happening right now. Just things will happen. Maybe we get discouraging news. Things are going to happen to try and get you to not like commit and not follow through with this heart hunger for God. But I encourage you if you could just push on and just do it. It's going to be totally worth it. So if you're with seeing God sort of, you know, released and see what He's going to do, I mean, I'll tell you what, you know, I'll be praying for my family, praying for my son, Jaron, praying for my wife, Julie. You know, we're going to try and get more prayer times together because honestly, we don't do that great of a job at it. And so that's like one thing we're working on in 2013 is just prayer time together because uh, we got to do it. Like we got to be like a unified, you know, unit there. We've got to pray about that stuff. Uh, you know, that comes up, you know. we just got to do a better job. We don't do a great job. You know, I'll be praying, certainly for this church, that God will have His will and do what He wants in this church. Um, whatever that is, however that looks. And in my mind, I'd like to see this man really expand and just reach out and just touch the community. And it's going to be tough to do that with only a few bodies. And so certainly I'm going to ask God, you know, to grow and bring growth and bring increase so we can do that. It's not interested in burning a bunch of people out either. That's not good. Be praying for this area, people all around here, 
People have no idea, you know, about, you know, God really. It's amazing that how the Bible is like so prevalent and all this Christian stuff is prevalent. And there just really is no knowledge of really who Jesus really is. It's crazy. At school, we do like these prayers, like to start off class. And uh, it's, a, uh, it's a Catholic school and everything's very, you know, regimented and kind of laid out for them. And one example of that is to start off uh, class, you could do the prayer, which the campus minister uh, has, you know, written down for all the kids. And uh, sometimes I do different things. Like online, there's this website called dailydevos.org. And it's like really sort of basic and it's kind of like appropriate for high school level. Or sometimes like we'll do the prayers that the campus minister, you know, wrote down, but I'll have the kids do it. And this past week we got back, you know, for New Year's. And I guess uh, the campus minister forgot to have the prayers all done up. And so we had none in the booklet, you know. And so I'm starting the class and, hey, Mr. Murphy, we didn't do our prayer yet. I'm like, you're right, you know, we didn't. But, you know, Mrs. So-and-so, you know, she didn't uh, write them out. So, so unless, like, you want to just pray to God, like, and just... Tell him whatever you want. Um, that would be great. I said, because, you know, when you get to heaven, like, it's not going to be all written down for you. You know what to do. And uh, he, like, looks at me. No, Mr. Murphy, that's okay. That's okay. And then go sit down. Well, the one kid took, took me up on it. And, man, what an awesome prayer he prayed. It was pretty awesome. Um, just asking God to help him in the new year, to help uh, all of us, like, uh, you know, bring peace and uh, to be loving and have more God in our lives. So it was pretty cool. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to play that last song, How Deep the Father's Love, and we're going to take communion on this first Sunday in 2013. We'll take it together, break some bread, and then, um, and then we'll close in prayer. So the song will be playing, and I'll pass it out. If you'd like to take it, great. If you would like not to take it, that is all right as well, because the Bible says, you know what? If you're going to take part in this, do it with your whole heart and know why you're doing it. Otherwise, it's not really worth it. So it's up to you. Uh, we'll play the song, and I'll pass it out.
says uh, before Jesus was uh, crucified on that night they're uh, having uh, dinner in the upper room it says while they're eating Jesus took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body and so we take it and we eat it says then he took the cup gave thanks and offered to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins and then Jesus goes on to say I'll tell you I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you with us Christians all over the world until in my father's kingdom it says then they sung a hymn they went to the Mount of Olives. And so if we could, uh, you know, I figure since it's, you know, New Sunday, 2013, you got those kneelers right in front of you right there. I think, you know, on our knees on Sunday morning, 2013 is like the right way to bring it in. And so maybe like we could be on our knees together. 2013 is just a posture of saying, hey, listen, God, you're the king. And we recognize that. So let's go maybe on our knees. You got your kneelers right there. You know, I'll do it right here. That's fine with me. And we'll ask God to uh, bring in this year. God, we are uh, on our knees before you, Lord, recognizing that you truly are King of kings, Lord of lords. That you are who you say you are. And we might have, we might be before you with questions, with doubt, with frustration, with issues with you this morning, Lord. But I pray, God, that as we move forward in this year, Lord, and as we commit to this time with you, that you would fill us up in the way we need to be filled up, Lord. It is our uh, desire as a church, as a family, and as individuals to be positioned so that you can fully overflow through us to the most beneficial way for us to be lined up under you, Lord. So I pray, God, that you would uh, help me, that you'd help all of us to truly fast in the right spirit and take that hunger for whatever we're giving up and bring that right to you. And I ask God that you would just speak to us in new ways, maybe in ways that we've never experienced before. And God, we just ask Lord, that you would just take over our personal lives, that you take over our families, that you'd show us how to pray for our friends and family, that you show us how to pray for this area, Lord, where so many people do not know you. So God, we thank you for this time, Lord. We put this week, we put this 21 days that we'll be starting on Monday. We put it in your hands. And God, help us to also have enough courage, Lord, to put everything that we have, all the frustrations, doubts, maybe disappointments, victories, put it all in your hands, God. And just look forward to what you have for us. In Jesus' name.
Savior, Savior.